Welcome to the Tao of Christ. This is Marshall Davis. The Tao of Christ is the podcast which explores the mystical, intuitive, and contemplative side of Christianity. In particular, it explores what I call unitive awareness, also called Christian non-duality, the unitive life in union with God. A listener from Vancouver asked if I could share my thoughts about prayer from the perspective of unitive awareness. It's a great question, and one which I have thought about often in regard to my spiritual life and practice. When considered from a theological point of view, there seems to be no place for a traditional prayer from a non-dual perspective. Prayer, at least as understood as verbal conversation with God, seems to be a dualistic exercise. From a theistic point of view, prayer is communication between two beings, an earthly creature and a divine creator. That is about as dualistic as you can get. The chasm between these two and traditional theistic thought is vast. That vast distance is understood as bridged by prayer, which in historic Christianity is chiefly in the form of words spoken to God. There are different forms of theistic prayer. The most common is petition, also called supplication, which is asking God for something. That can be as crass as Janis Joplin's prayer, O Lord, won't you buy me a Mercedes-Benz? Or as lofty as prayers for spiritual closeness to God. Just a closer walk with thee. Grant it, Jesus, is my plea. As much sing as I'm going to do on this podcast. In fact, the meaning of the most common Greek word for prayer used in the New Testament is to ask. A closely related form of prayer is intercession, which is praying for someone else, which is a bit less self-serving, but no less dualistic. Then there is confession of sin, thanksgiving, and praise. These are the five basic types of prayer. Now, Different preachers and Christian teachers would have different lists. Some say there are four basic types of prayer, some five, some six, some seven, some nine. Anne Lamott has a book entitled Help, Thanks, Wow, which she calls the three essential prayers. The exact number and types of prayer are not that important. What is important is that they all have a common problem from the perspective of unitive awareness. They are all, with the exception of the form of prayer called communion with God, dualistic. If reality is one and not two, if we united God in the most complete and profound way with the one to whom we pray, then why pray at all? Isn't that like talking to yourself? It's not a problem only from a non-dual perspective, but also in theism. In traditional theism, God is considered to be omniscient. If God knows everything already, then why tell God anything? It seems to be completely unnecessary. As Jesus said in his teaching on prayer, when you pray, do not keep on babbling like the pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask him. Furthermore, if God is all-powerful and all-loving, then presumably God is already doing what is right and best for the world. He does not need to be reminded or prodded by us. 
and why bend God's ear to try to get God to do something we think ought to be done? In fact, it was just these sorts of issues with prayer that led me toward a more unitive approach to the spiritual life. But for me, the main issue from a non-tool perspective is why practice any traditional devotional form of prayer and worship if we are already one in union or communion with God? The great 20th century philosopher, Christian philosopher, Paul Tillich, was once asked if he prayed. He answered, no, I meditate. There's a part of me that wants to respond the same way as Tillich, to limit my spiritual practice to meditation, what is commonly called contemplative prayer. It seems more consistent with the understanding of reality as non-dualistic. But the truth is that I pray. If someone were to ask me the same question asked of Tillich, do you pray, I would respond simply, yes, I pray. I meditate more than I pray. Meditation is for me the deepest and most direct form of prayer. It is called communion with God in traditional Christianity. I follow the Apostle Paul's advice and pray without ceasing. I don't think that the Apostle meant that he was always mumbling petitions under his breath or in his mind. I think he was practicing what Brother Lawrence calls the practice of the presence of God. But back to verbal prayer. I pray. In fact, when I was first organizing my thoughts for this podcast on paper, it was Sunday morning, and I was waiting to go to worship at our neighborhood church. I am in worship at church every Sunday, whether in the pulpit or the pew. While in worship, I pray all the traditional forms of corporate and private prayer. I do not experience these as inconsistent with what I call unitive awareness. Whether in verbal prayer or wordless meditation, on a spiritual level as well as a conscious level, I am one with God. Oneness includes everything in life, including all of our words and thoughts, including prayer and traditional worship. Ritual and corporate worship in particular can be a spiritual exercise that facilitates the awareness of union with God. At least that is my practice and experience. We are one with God. I am one with God. We can describe the sense of oneness with God theologically and philosophically in different ways, for me, I cannot tell where I stop and God begins. And that is as true as much when stacking firewood in my backyard, as I have been doing these last few days preparing for winter, as it is in worship on Sunday. I cannot tell where the world stops and God begins. There do not seem to be any boundaries in my perception of God. Now, some would call that pantheism. I am presently reading Richard Rohr's book, The Universal Christ. In fact, we are doing a study of it at the church I attend. Rohr makes a point of describing himself as a panentheist and not a pantheist. To me, that is a dispute over words. I understand why he makes that distinction. He does it to remain more closely aligned with historic Christian theology, which does not look kindly on pantheism. But experientially, I see no difference between the two. In either case, all is seen and known as one, whether everything is understood as in God, as with panentheism, 
or whether everything is understood as identical with the one we call God, as in pantheism. It's still one. As the scriptures say, the Lord is one and there is no other. But alongside of this unitive and intuitive awareness of God in reality, the personal ego part of me wants to communicate with the divine, my whole self, including my egoic self and not just my spiritual self, desire union with God. That's why Jesus instructs us to love God with all of our heart and mind and soul and strength. The only way that a human personality can can connect to God is in a personal way, relating to God as a person. All religions, even Hinduism, which is at heart monistic, acknowledge the value of personal acts of devotion to God perceived as a personal deity. That's what the bhakti path is in Hinduism. I am aware of oneness with God and all that is. I am also aware that part of that divine unity is my sense of self, my small self, seemingly separate self. Now, I know my essential true nature, my true self, capital S, is what I am, what the Buddhists call anatta, that there is no little self, but I experience that little self and my that little personal self, lowercase s, my psyche or my personal self, though not perhaps eternally real or permanent, it is relatively and practically real in this world of time and space. We live in the world, though we know that ultimately we are not of this world. My human personality is part of the one reality, and on its own level, it needs to relate to that one reality in the only way that it can. The way it does that is through prayer, personal prayer, and individual and corporate worship. That is why I am part of a church. I worship God with all my heart and mind and soul and strength with others in a community. I love God with all my heart and mind and soul and strength. That is why I worship. That is why I pray. And I pray the the traditional forms of prayer. I confess. I thank. I praise. I make requests to God. I find it meaningful psychologically. And I see this as simply being open and honest on a human level. Prayers are human emotions, desires, and yearnings, and thoughts that happen to be expressed in words directed toward God. Just as emotions are not to be suppressed or denied when in meditation, but allowed to flow through our consciousness and our bodies and our minds, the same is true of prayer. Prayer ultimately is a form of openness toward God and reality, which is complete love and acceptance. It's surrender to God. I can honestly say that I love God. Now, I understand God is not a bearded male in the sky. I understand this theistic language is a projection of a very limited human apprehension of the divine, but the highest form of God that our human persona 
can conceive is as a divine person. So that is how our ego, our small self, approaches God. This is the ultimate purpose of all prayer and worship. Theologically, I see God as transpersonal, as transcending the personal. If we believe the idea of God as a person literally, then God becomes an idol made in our own image. But if one understands that human personality can only relate to the divine as a person, then we can embrace all forms of personal worship and personal prayer as techniques to bring us into the presence of God. I do exactly that. I love God with all my heart and mind and soul and strength. And I love Christ. I love the cosmic Christ, the Logos through whom the universe came into being, the eternal Christ, the, the universal Christ, as Richard Rohr describes it. I also love the person of Jesus, as described in the Gospels, all four of the Jesuses in the Gospels, because the Jesus in Matthew is very different than the Jesus in the Gospel of John, the Gospel of Mark and Luke. These four Gospel writers each, each loved Jesus in their own way as they perceived him. I love Jesus as I perceive him through the pages of the Christian scriptures. That is why I call myself a Christian. I am a follower of Jesus. That is why I have not abandoned Christianity for some Neo-Vedanta form of non-dualism. I feel no need to adopt Hindu or Indian religious language. Christian language and thought work just fine for me. In my study of the world's religions, I learned quickly that even Hindus and Buddhists who, who speak in non-dual terms often accompanied their non-dual teachings with a very personal devotional spirituality, whether that was to a personal god or to a personal guru. The Lord is my God and Jesus is my rabbi, my spiritual teacher, my Lord, my master, my guru, if you want to use that term, although I'm sure that Christians will cringe at my use of that word. But all guru means is teacher, rabbi. I'm a follower of Jesus Christ, both the man Jesus and his teachings the man who lived 2,000 years ago, and the eternal Christ who existed before Jesus and exists from all eternity and is eternity. For me, there is no contradiction between my non-duality and my Christianity. I can't say that many Christians are comfortable with my approach. Nearly all conservative and fundamentalist and evangelical Christians would have problems with the way I understand and practice my Christianity, but that's all right. For me, it's about God. It's about Christ. It's not about the very imperfect and fallible human traditions and doctrines that go by the name of Christianity. Whether Christians accept me as a brother in the faith doesn't matter. I know in whom I have believed, as the great hymn and scripture says. So these are my thoughts on prayer and how it relates to unitive awareness and what I call non-dual Christianity. 
My advice to those who are Christians and have experienced union, unity with God, is not to overthink this. Allow prayers to come as they come. For us, it's part of our Christian heritage. And if we've been a Christian for very long, it's part of our lives. It's part of our thinking. It's part of our our pattern of, of religious practice. And there's no need to discard it or exchange it for sitting cross-legged on the floor. True prayer is the Holy Spirit praying through us and in us, both in words and beyond words, as the Apostle Paul says. It is in this same Spirit that we find our unity with God. I have found in practice that verbal prayer leads naturally to a wordless communion and union with God, and vice versa. I easily transition from one to the other. Prayer and meditation are compatible and more than compatible. One leads to the other. Just as in centering prayer, the divine word that we use use and we pray drops away and leaves us in the wordless presence of God, so also does traditional prayer when it is allowed to mature and bear fruit. It leads us to union with God. Prayer is just another type of spiritual practice that comes from God and leads to God. It is all of God. How could it be otherwise? For God is one. That is the Tao of Christ for this week. Thank you for listening. You can access other episodes of this podcast at thedowofchrist.com. You can find my blog, Spiritual Reflections, as well as a link to my books at marshalldavis.us. You can email me if you want. You can find my email address on my blog site. I hope you join me next time for another episode of The Tao of Christ.